Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. minister through his word to the hungry hearts of people that is in this room if there might be anybody that is here this morning that has not experienced the power of his spirit that has not been baptized in his name that has not received bible salvation that before this service concludes they would feel drawn and they would feel compelled to do so would you pray with me lord jesus i am asking you to move Have your way and will in this house. I pray, God, that you would allow your word to minister the hearts of people that have gathered here today. And I pray that you, God, would speak to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Would you give praise to the Lord again? Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. The work of the church can be reduced to two really specific things. First of all, we are to glorify God. I don't know what your reason for gathering here today is, and I know there's a myriad of reasons that can bring somebody to church and to the house of God. Maybe it's a need in your life. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's something that you have recently been presented with that's beyond your control and you need the help of the Lord. And all of those are permissible reasons to come to the house of God. But for us as a church, once we become a part of the church, our purpose is first of all to glorify God. Amen. And I know that when we think about glorifying God, we immediately think of worship to the Lord, and I can't overstate how important that is. Glorifying God with the fruit of our lips, giving praise to Him, and coming into the house of God, to this sanctuary, to magnify God. That's a big part of it. And I don't want to discount that. I know that there's a lot of people that have cheapened it, And there's some that dismiss it as just mere emotionalism. But it's more than that. Because the Bible tells us that we are to love the Lord our God. With all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our spirit. And so to love Him and to give ourselves thoroughly unto Him in worship. That is one chiefly. Uh, chiefly, I, I guess the first of the things that God has called us as a church to do is to glorify Him and to give praise to Him. We do that not only with lifting our hands or clapping them or singing songs or rejoicing and showing praise to Him, but also we glorify God by our life. The way that we live, the choices that we make every day, glorify God. We show our consecration. We show our commitment to the God that we serve. 
by keeping ourselves unto him and serving him with all of our heart and giving ourselves solely unto him. And then second of all, the purpose of the church is to allow God to minister through us to the needs of others. In essence, when you become a child of God, you become a conduit that the Spirit of God can flow through. You become a channel that the Spirit of the Lord can flow through to touch other people's lives and to minister to other people's lives. Let's not forget Jesus' words in Mark chapter 16 as he expressed how that these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. That's not just the preacher, but that is everybody that has the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of them. Has dominion over the demonic spirits of this world that try to torment and try to destroy the lives of people. It's not just that, but he said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. We, we know that that is a sign of God using His church to minister His will in the earth. We are an extension of Him. His Spirit on the inside of us, now we become His hands. Now we become His feet. Now we become His voice to speak to those that are in need. And so our responsibility is to allow the Spirit of the Lord to minister through us. And when we engage in ministry, it this isn't about the masses. It isn't just about the multitudes, or we're not just to minister in bulk, if you will. And I realize, and let me me quickly say here this morning, that uh, we want to spread the gospel to as many souls as possible. We want to see the glory of the Lord reach to every corner of this earth. We want to reach more specifically Texarkana and surrounding areas with the truth of God's Word. We want the Spirit of the Lord to be accessible to any and all that desire Him in this region. However, we must always remember that God cares for souls individually. One by one. God cares for you as a person. He cares for you individually. I understand the importance of the collective and I understand the importance of multitudes and we read about them in the scripture, but we cannot get away from the fact that God cares for people personally and individually. He knows them and is concerned for them. And is able through his love and his desire to save them, to minister to them specifically. Aren't you thankful that you don't have this to fit under the umbrella of something general this morning? But you got a God that knows, understands, and can identify with your personal needs today. Every person that is under the sound of my voice... The Bible says that he knows you by name. It even goes a little further as if to underscore 
how personal God can get with each one of us. And it says the hairs of our head are numbered. He didn't say that he just knows the sum total of the hairs of your head, but each hair of your head is numbered. That's how specific God can get. And he's understating or overstating the fact, rather, of how much he cares and how concerned he is for every individual that is in this place. And as a church, we need to view souls through that same lens that the Lord looks at them through. We sometimes can be impressed with crowds. And again, we're, we're as for reaching as many people as we possibly can. That's our goal. That's our desire. And we're for expanding the kingdom of God and reaching souls for uh, the glory of God. And, and I want to see multitudes come to the Lord. But in studying the ministry of Jesus He never overlooked one soul for the masses. He never overlooked one soul just to minister to the multitude as a collective. But he pinpointed individuals even in the multitude, even in the great crowd or the mass of people, he would single out one soul. What about that time when there was a mass of people that were following after him as he was teaching And there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus who was small of stature, the Bible says. And he knew that as the multitude pressed him, it was going to limit his ability to see and to hear the words of Jesus. And so in anticipation for where he could see Jesus was moving to, he went ahead of the multitude And climbed up into a tree so that he could see him and hear and not miss anything that the Lord was ministering to that group of people. And I first want to say that this is uh, indicative of the type of man that Zacchaeus was. That he didn't wait for it to come to him. But he had anticipation He went out ahead and he found a place where he could perch in a tree and wait on the Lord and he, and he anticipated where the Lord would move to. And there he was ready when Jesus got to that place. I'm going to say that speaks of his faith this morning. And when we come to the house of God, we have to have that same anticipation that Lord, I want to see in which way you're moving. And what channel you're moving in. What direction you're going. And I want to get out in front of that. And anticipate where you're going to be. And what you're going to be doing. And I want to be a part of it. So many people come to church with the attitude that if God wants to minister to me while I'm present, He can find me here. But there's other people with anticipation that stretch forth their hands and say, God, if you're looking for worship, here I am. If you're looking for somebody's faith, let me present mine. Amen. If you're looking for someone that wants to believe for a miracle, I'm here. 
I'm not just going to selfishly sit on the sidelines and wait for you to call my name or wait for you to minister to me, but I'm going to get where you are. I'm going to get in your pathway. I'm going to tell you there's no better way to get in the pathway of something powerful is to get in to praise and worshiping God because the Bible says the only prerequisite for the pray or for the presence of the Lord is to praise Him and to give Him glory. So if you want to arrive in the presence of the Lord, all you got to do this morning is lift up your voice and give praise to Him. Thank Him. Glorify Him. Say, God, I don't have everything I want, but I realize that if I'm going to get anything from you, I am going to have to give of myself that sacrifice of praise today. Somebody let's give praise to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm astonished at how many people come to church and feel like every part of this, because they've heard God is sovereign, they feel like every part of serving God is due to his sovereignty. That That is what the Calvinists believe. They believe in an only select group that is predestined to make it to heaven. That That's what folks in the denominal world believe. But we believe that God is a spirit. And we believe that God moves according to hunger and desire. He said in his word, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be field. If you're not hungry, don't be surprised if he passes you by for somebody else. But if you come with desire and the way you'd express that desire is to give him praise. The way you express that hunger is to say, Lord, here I am. Present yourself. Amen. Give of yourself in worship. Amen. Don't just sit there with a selfish attitude and say, God, you know my needs. You know who I am. Here I am. I want you to move on me. No, no, no. I want to pursue the promises of God. I want to pursue the touch of the Lord. I want to pursue God moving in my life. Hallelujah. That's why we don't believe in dead church. That's why we don't just come as spectators. We don't just come and enjoy a little three-point sermon and go home and say, well, that was nice. But we come to the house of God with something to give to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Zacchaeus said, I'm anticipating him. And then Jesus looked at him, if you will, focused in on him out of all of those people and said, I'm going to go to your house today. Now, he wasn't the most likable guy in Israel at the time, especially among the Jewish people. He was a tax collector. And this was something that enraged them, that they had to pay such high taxes to the Roman government. And this was something that they really struggled with. And for Jesus to say that out of all of them, and many of them had needs as well, but he pinpointed this this man that was a tax collector because this man did something that the rest was unwilling to do. 
And so because of that, God, in the form of Christ Jesus, amen, was willing to go further than what anyone expected him to do. Praise the Lord. Not only that, but we can read about Simon Peter and how that the Lord, upon his resurrection, spoke to the ladies that first saw him and said, Go and tell the disciples and Peter what you have seen, what you've experienced. Why was that so significant? Because Simon had recently denied him. Not once, but three times. And he's dealing with this failure. He's dealing with the consequences and the condemnation of that failure. And the Lord speaks and says, I want you to tell my disciples and Peter, don't leave him out. Tell him I specifically mentioned his name, that he's to be included in those that are invited to come and see me for themselves. Tell him that I am alive. Oh, can you imagine the joy and the elation that must have been in the heart of Simon Peter when those ladies came back and mentioned to him what the Lord had said, that he actually mentioned your name. You mean he's not angry with me? You mean he's not upset with me? You mean he doesn't hold it against me? Oh, no. Amen. He wants to include you. He cares for you. Just one soul, just one person, just one individual he's willing to hold in on to save them and to reach them and one other is the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus as he comes to Damascus to persecute people of the church that is said to be there and the Bible says that on that road the Lord gave him a heavenly vision and spoke to him. And there was a conversion right there on that road that took place. God cared enough about this one individual to stop him in his pursuit of doing further wrong in persecuting the church. Aren't you thankful that God's that merciful that even when you got your mind set to do something that is out of the will of God, Not fulfilling the purpose or the call that God has for your life. Not living up to your potential or doing what the Lord wants you to do. But he cares enough to put something in your way. You may think it's a roadblock. You may think it's a hindrance at first. You may not understand why it's there. Why you're confronted. Why you can't just go through with what you want to do. Why it's not working out. Why it's not happening as you planned it to. But Saul, God is trying to allow something to happen in your life. God is trying to bring salvation into your soul. God God is trying to deal with you and bring conversion to you and a change to you. That's how much he cares for you individually. These examples prove the power of one person being truly impacted by an experience or an encounter with God. John's gospel gives us more than than many of these others 
accounts do. It gives us certain angles and glimpses that we don't necessarily see in the other three. Matthew, he's focused on presenting Jesus as a king. He traces his genealogy all the way back to David, and that's the way he presents him. And Mark, he presents him more as a servant. Luke, he presents him as a God that is concerned about the lowly and those that have been rejected by society. So presenting him as a king is not presenting him as something that another man cannot do. There had been kings in Israel before, and there would be there would be other rulers and other magistrates that would exist after the time of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. So it wasn't something or a position that another man could not feel. Mark presents him as a servant, and anyone or other men can be servants. Luke presents him, if you will, as a social activist, and other men can fulfill those shoes. Another man can do that. But John, from the very beginning, and the start of his book in chapter 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him, nothing was made. And then he goes on in verse 14 and he says, And the Word became flesh. Other men can be kings. Other men can be servants. Other men can be social activists. But no other man can be God. I said no other man can be. He did something nobody else could do. He put on the robe of flesh. No other man could do that. I want to answer a question. All good books and all academic articles and all good sermons answer a question. And that is how does this account in John chapter number 4 support this thesis and the theme of John's book that he come to do what nobody else could do. He come to fulfill what nobody else could fulfill. He come to give what nobody else could give. Well, really, it's encapsulated in this story and in this encounter that this lady had at the well of Sychar. The Bible says that Jesus does not just go anywhere, but he chooses purposely and states it beforehand to his disciples, I must needs go to Samaria. They were shocked by this because Jewish people had a historic, long-standing resentment towards Samaritans. A hostility, if you will, towards Samaritans. They viewed them as lesser than these half-Gentile, half-Jewish people were just someone that they felt like was not qualified and could not be a part of God's kingdom and what he was doing in the earth. And these disciples, frankly, didn't want to go 
to Samaria. Because they knew not only did they resent the Samaritans, but it was two-sided. The Samaritans resented them. And they, they realized that we go over there and... Uh, we're probably not going to be treated well. Matter of fact, on their journeys, they would go the long way to go around Samaria. They didn't want to go to that place. But Jesus said, I must needs go to Samaria. He doesn't just go to anywhere in Samaria. He goes to a certain area in Samaria called Sychar. And that word Sychar among its definitions in Hebrew is the word disappointment. Disappointment. This place or this area of disappointment. And he doesn't just go to anywhere in Sychar, but he goes to a well in Sychar. And he doesn't just go to any well in Sychar, but he goes to Jacob's well in Sychar. He doesn't just go to Samaria. He doesn't just go to Sychar. He doesn't just go to Jacob's well. But he goes at a specific time to Jacob's well. He goes at the sixth hour, which is between 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. All because of one reason. A, at Samaria, in the area of Sychar, at Jacob's well, at the sixth hour, there is one soul that he wants to reach. There's one person that he wants to save. There's one person that he wants to encounter with. There's one person that he wants to minister to. There's one person that he wants to see their life change. Come on, let's, let's parallel this with, with where you're at today. You're not just in any church, but you're in a Pentecostal apostolic church. Uh, you're, you're not just in any uh, Pentecostal apostolic church, but you're in landmark Pentecostal church. Amen. You're not just in any church service, but you're here on the Lord's day. You're not just here at any time, but you're here when God's people have gathered together to worship God and hear from His Word. You haven't just come for any reason, but there's a God, there's a presence that is in this place that has power to change you, that has power to liberate you, that has power to minister to you in your need today. You can't get any more specific than that. God has targeted individuals that is in this house. God has looked because he sees all things. And he sees them from the end to the beginning. You and I have this only one perspective and that's from the beginning to the end. But he can look and he can look backward and see events and there's one thing, while God is sovereign, he can do anything he so chooses. He limits himself in one area. And that is, when it comes to the choice of man, he said, I'm going to give them a choice. I know what it is to manipulate things. I know what it is to create things. I know what it is to do and set things in order. I know what it is to have angels to worship me, not because they choose to, but because they have to. 
but I'm going to make a living soul that is going to worship me, going to serve me because they choose to serve me. Because they made up their own mind to live for me. Because they came to an altar and they gave their life to me. Because they went and and took covenant with me at the waters of baptism. And they received my spirit. They made a choice to live for God. They made a decision to serve me. Nobody forced them to. Nobody. You know why people lift their hands in this room? It's not because a, a preacher asked them to. There's people in this place that worship God not because they just enjoy the tune of the music or the lyrics of a song they worship God because they love him because they choose to serve him and they want and desire to give him glory oh let's give a hand clap of praise to the Lord so there's a God that wants to help you and to reach you. Why does John's document have all of these specific details in it? Because Jesus meets this lady at Jacob's well. Now, Jacob, and you reading this story, if you read it in its entirety, you'll find this to be a fact. Jacob is one that the Jews and the Samaritans could respect as their forefather. So that's why... Jesus, out of all the wells that he could have met people at, he goes to that well at that time and chooses this lady. And he reveals to us through that that he knew if evangelism is to be effective, we must meet people on common ground. He met her at a well. That's a common place that everybody in that society in that day in those times had to live near a source of water. A well in particular. They, they were familiar with a well. They frequented a well. It was not uncommon for life to revolve around a well. So he went to Issachar. He went to Jacob's well. He went at the sixth hour because there was a lady that he could find common ground with. I was preaching for a pastor several years ago, and uh, we drove by a particular restaurant in the small town that he lived in. He said, that right there is the well. And I said, what do you mean? That's not the name of the restaurant. Some other name. He said, no. He said, that's what I call the well. Because that's where I go to meet with souls and go to minister to people. And it's there that I teach Bible studies. And it's there that I'm able to minister to people that are in need and meet people because they gather there in that place. And so every morning I go down and have breakfast and my coffee at that restaurant consistently day by day throughout the week because I want to meet people. This is where they're gathered. This is the common ground that I can find them on and this is where I can minister to them. Not only was it common ground that he chose, but he chose a common need to minister to them through. He he chose something that everybody needs as an essentiality to life. 
He chose to meet them around that resource of water. God uses the common thing, water, to describe something supernatural, and that was living water. He was going to show how that this water that you're drinking of is something that you've got to replenish. This is something that is reoccurring. This is something that's never going to end. As long as you live, you're going to have to keep coming back to this. As long as you live, it's just going to be a cycle that you're going to have to deal with. It's going to be something that is always going to be. As long as there's life in your body, you're going to have to keep coming back to this well. You, you'll never reach a place that you never thirst again. You, you'll never reach a place that you're totally satisfied. Oh, you may be satisfied for a short while, but you'll find yourself after your water pot is depleted, you'll have to come back and refill it again. But let me tell you about something. Let me explain to you about an experience. It's unlike this. Oh, you need it to survive. You need it to live. You need it to have life and life more abundantly. But let me tell you about what I'm talking and what I am trying to explain to you. It's not like this. Amen. You take a drink and you experience what I'm talking about. After you ever intake of the water, the living water that I'm describing, you'll never have to come back and draw from it again. It's satisfying. Amen. It satisfies the desire. It satisfies the longing. You'll never have to repeat the process again. You can receive this living water and what you've searched for, what you've looked for so much in this temporal. You'll find in the eternal. You'll find an experience that will last. You'll find an experience that will satisfy for your life. And so as he's describing, because all of the natural things he doesn't have, he's not using a, he's not using a, a pot to, 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 to place on the end of a rope, to stand down into a well, to try to, Draw from that deep well. Everything about it that he's doing is unconventional. And he said, that's not the reason I'm here. It's to fit within your paradigm. It's not to fit within the cycle that you've been trapped in all of your life. I'm trying to show you something that breaks you out of this routine. I'm trying to show you something that's far bigger than this. Uh, you drink of this, you'll need some more. But I'm telling you about something that'll satisfy. And it's very obvious, sister. You've been looking. You've been searching. You've been wondering. Amen. You tried here, and it didn't work. You tried over there, and it didn't work. You tried that relationship and it's broken up. And you tried another relationship and that's broken up. You need living water in your life. You're not going to be satisfied with the things that the world offers. Now he's got her attention. And she says, well, give me this water that I thirst not. The question he's been waiting on. But notice what Jesus does. It's like he takes a hard right turn right here and says, go call thy husband. Whew. That set her back on her heels. First time she'd ever laid eyes on this man. She knew very well he didn't know her history. He didn't know anything about her. And now he's speaking to her. About her past. 
might I say, probably a very hurtful past. One that she was ashamed of. One that she had grappled with as a woman in a society like this where there was so many that could give you a sidelong glance and whisper to the others in the group that she doesn't fit with us. Thus, why she came to that well at the time she did so that she could be alone. Not expecting to find anybody there. But Jesus was waiting on her. And the scripture says that she says, I don't have a husband. He said, you've answered well. I want you to watch this. He said, you've had five. And the one you're with is not your own. I want you to note something here. She had tried through permissible means to find to find satisfaction. To find the missing piece to the puzzle of life. She had tried through legal, biblically legal relationships to find it. And when she couldn't find it in right relationships of what she thought was legal relationships, in other words, she relented to wrong relationships. Because she is now living in adultery. The one you're with is not your own. She said, I've tried and tried and tried to do this right. And it's blew apart. It's been destroyed. It's fallen, shattered around my feet. Now I've just given up. And I've stopped. And I've relented to what's wrong. To try to find satisfaction for my life. Jesus begins to tell her about this living water. Begins to describe to her. She, she, she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. I want you to notice the consequences of a, a real experience and a real encounter with the Lord is that she doesn't try to justify. She doesn't try to cover up. After, after he has, has, has revealed to her his knowledge and what he knows about her. And a lot of people, they misread this story and they think that he was just trying to reveal her sin or just trying to expose who she was. Oh, that wasn't the point. He was trying to reveal who he was. He was trying to show her and expose to her that there's an experience that is greater than what you've tried. It doesn't matter what your past is. I'm I'm talking about power to overcome your past. I'm talking about power to rise above what you've been all of these years. And the Bible says that she said, I perceive that thou art prophet come from God. And she begins to talk about the Messiah. And he said, the one you're looking at is he. Oh, I want you to notice. Suddenly she forgot her purpose for being there. Suddenly she forgot the reason why she didn't even came that well in the first place. Because compared to this water, amen, comparing it to living water, there is absolutely no comparison. Amen. If I've got a chance at living water, I'm not going to let this chance slip me by. And the Bible said, I want you to notice this. 
sense. The Bible says she left her water pots. She ran off and left them as she ran back to the city to tell somebody, to testify to somebody about her experience in God. In other words, it was such an encounter that it changed her life. And she realized, I can't take this old way of doing things. It's going to slow me down as I go back to the city. It's going to be an encumberment to me. It's going to be a burden to me. I'm going to leave it here at the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to do the purpose of God. I want to preach to somebody that the only way you could do the purpose of God is to leave your hang-ups, to leave your problems, to leave your despair, to leave your failures, to leave what you've always been, what you've always done at the feet of Jesus. Amen. And somebody open up your mouth and say, God, I believe that you're able to give me living water. Why don't you stand with me right now? Come on all across this building. Lift up your hands and your voice to the Lord. Let's talk to Him. Let's pray to Him. Let's seek after Him. Anybody like to leave some burdens today? Anybody like to replace the temporal for something eternal? Anybody want an experience that lasts? Whatever experience you had Friday night, it's dissipated, it's gone now. Whatever encounters you've had throughout this week, it's, it's over with. It's in the past now. You can have an encounter this morning that leaves lasting consequences, lasting changes in your life. You don't have to go back and pick up and carry on with what you've always been and always done, the person, the individual that you've always been. But you can have an encounter that will change your life today in direction. Those people that she went back to tell. Those were people she had shied away from before. Didn't have the courage to face in the past. But because of a changed life, she went with excitement to tell them of an experience that she had had. An encounter that had changed her life. I'm going to tell you, that's how God is able to change. He's able to change every part of you. Some of you that just didn't feel like I could ever believe in myself again. God is able to give you your courage back. Able to renew your identity in Him. Amen. Some of us are so concerned about our identity. I'm going to tell you, we have no real identity without Him in our lives. Praise God. Right now, I wonder if you wouldn't reach across to somebody and let's pray together. Let's pray the Spirit of the Lord would move. And the Spirit of the Lord would work. And His presence would minister to needs in this place and hearts in this house. Here today, God would have His way. God would work and God would, would minister to needs that only He can. Hallelujah. We're so limited, but God isn't limited. There's only so far we can go and so much we can do. But God, thank God, He is not limited. He is able.
He's able to do it seating abundantly above all that we ask or think. I wonder if there's somebody who wants to come to this altar today as I'm inviting everybody to come to this altar this morning. Make your way to this front. Everyone in this house ought to come around this altar saying, God, I need an encounter today. I need a touch from you.